0: if our capacity to create force is that great in its in its difference then lifting a weight is terrible
1: Hey there. Welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition.
2: What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and check movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission
1: is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single
2: day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show.
1: Welcome. Welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. This is episode 119 of the Biohacker Babes. I'm Renee tuning in from Vegas with my sister Lauren as well. Hi, everyone tuning in from New York today. Hello, New York. I love your beautiful <laughs> background today. It's a little Thank change in scenery.
2: <laughs> Courtesy of my friend, our friend, Mary. I have lots of greenery behind me. The oxygen is pumping today in this apartment. You need awesome. that in New York. Thanks, Mary. <laughs> oh, yes. We need the plants to counteract all the crap that's in the air. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, we have a guest coming on the show today. We have Dr. John Jaquish. He is, I don't want to give too much away, but we're going to talk a little bit about the X3 Bar and Strong. we'll say that. So the X3 Bar, you have maybe seen me posting pictures on Instagram of this fancy little piece of equipment that I have been using at home to get stronger. And today we're going to talk about the science behind why this piece of equipment works, but we're going to dive into his book, Why weightlifting is a waste of time, which is such a great title. And I just want to say, be open-minded, please. Like everything we've been told for most of our lives about lifting weights and going to the gym and doing cardio, it's not all correct. So be open-minded. I highly recommend the book. I read it in a couple of days. It was an easy read, packed with science, amazing research, amazing testimonials. I definitely recommend it, but he's going to talk a little bit more about that in today's episode. And especially for our female listeners, this is a great way for us to get stronger. Do not be afraid of like lifting heavy and getting bulky. Like we need muscle. This is so important for overall health and longevity. And I think this is such a great
2: biohack. Absolutely. I mean, we've been saying for so long that you don't need so much cardio and he takes it a step further to say, maybe you don't need any cardio at all because with resistance training. And he does make a clear distinction between resistance and weight training. So if you had a reaction to the book about the weight training, it's not strength training at large. He's just talking about weights, but he really goes into how strength training actually gives us the benefits to our cardiovascular system that we need. So if you're still doing a ton of chronic cardio, if you listen to us, you know that's probably going to be harming your hormones, your adrenals, your nervous system. And if you just want overall health, longevity, functional strength, and to look good this could be like the solution the biohack for you. He's made it really really simple, taking away the guesswork. It's super safe, really cool piece of tech and um I have not read the book yet. <laughs> Honest confession, but I'm in read the it. mail. You have a copy it's in coming. the mail. It's coming to me. But I'm really excited because he is a scientist at his core. And I really appreciate how he just shares research. You know, this is not opinion. It is based in science. It is based in fact, but also he is, I think a walking advertisement for how well this stuff works. So if you're not watching the video cast, definitely look him up after this.
1: Oh yeah. His photos and these are in the book and I'm sure you can find them online of like day one and then end of year one, end of year two. I mean, it's, you'll be blown away by his photos. So it's obviously doing something. And with the cardio piece, when I do the x-ray workout, I'm breathing hard. Yeah. I've experienced that. Yeah. So it's definitely doing something. And for anyone that is tight on time, it's a great biohack for that. It's 10 minutes a day. I do it four days a week. Like, come on. Everyone can do that. So
2: huge fan of minimum effective dose if we can get it done. And then if you get it done, you can still do the things that you love, but- Definitely pay attention to this podcast and r- I hope he really hits this home that if you are doing chronic cardio, chronic weightlifting, maybe actually hurting your overall health and longevity. So really, really fun stuff. And, I- oh, Renee, I was curious, did you do before and after photos after starting X3? Not
1: really. I maybe kind you of- can scroll through your phone and find <laughs> Yes. I can say like our, our unofficial after photos were when we went to Cabo for our wedding anniversary.
2: I remember you looked
1: amazing. Those are my unofficial after photos.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's maybe funny. you could a find question. a photo of X3 bar early on and do a side-by-side. Cause I think yeah. you looked amazing. That's oh, really thank
1: awesome. you. Yeah. Thanks Lauren. <laughs> cool. Awesome. You want to read his bio? Yes. So Dr. John Jaquish PhD has spent years researching and developing improved approaches to health he is the inventor of the most effective bone density building medical technology, which is now partnered with Tony Robbins and OsteoStrong for rapid clinic deployment. Inventor of X3, a technology that has proven to develop muscle much faster than conventional weightlifting, all with the lowest risk of joint injury. Dr. Jaquish's methods are used in training the world's most elite athletes and associations, such as the entire Miami Heat organization various NFL and NBA players, as well as Olympians. Dr. Jaquish's book, Explaining His Non-Conventional Approach to Human Physiology, is a Wall Street Journal bestseller. He's awesome. We had such a great time chatting with him today, and we can't wait for you to tune in. All right. Welcome, Dr. Jaquish, to the Biohacker Babes podcast. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Renee, Lauren, thanks for having me.
1: We are so thrilled to have you on the show big fans of the X3 bar and osteostrong. Um, your book was awesome. So I can't wait to share more of that with our listeners today, but I have to say as biohackers, one of the things that we really love is looking at the scientific research and saying, how can we do something better or more optimally, more efficiently? And that is exactly what you have done with both of those. So we want to dive into more of the science behind those, you know, Bust some fitness myths, which you have absolutely done. But before we get into some of those myths, we would love to just hear how did you come across this research, and why do you say weightlifting is a waste of time? Everyone wants okay? To know that.
0: So, for the <laughs> listeners and anybody watching, you can see the cover. This is the book. Weightlifting is a waste of time. That is the name of the book. So, I didn't just randomly say weightlifting is a waste of time. I actually made it the title of my book. Now, awesome. notice okay. I didn't say resistance training is a waste of time, Uh, because there's many ways to approach resistance training. Uh, I just believe that, well, I I don't believe. I have the evidence to back up the statement. When we lift weights, we have very different capacities from weaker range, like like in a bench press, when the bar is on your chest versus when it's all the way away from you, when your arms are extended. There's about a seven-fold difference in your capacity to create force. So you're much more powerful in the range of motion. You would naturally absorb high impact force, which makes sense for for self-protection reasons. But uh, also, when you look at the way we position the body when we handle weights in the weakest range of motion, it makes absolutely no sense. No animal in nature tries to load the body in the weakest range of motion for any reason whatsoever. We're the only ones who do that. And coincidentally, well, let me take a step back. So I got my start in life sciences, uh, developing uh, a a series of medical devices to treat osteoporosis. I did so for my mother. So my mother was diagnosed with osteoporosis. I I decided I was going to build a series of uh, therapy devices that would address this and basically give her the benefit of high impact without the risks of high impact. And so I set out to do that. I did that and it reversed her osteoporosis. She's in her 80s now and she has a the bones of a 30 year old and Can so do you... millions of others who now yeah. use osteostrom.
1: Yeah. Can you share real quickly the research about the gymnasts and the impact, what you found with yeah. that?
0: Yeah. So I just took a different approach. And in fact, I invented the devices before finishing my PhD. And my PhD advisor told me if you had finished your PhD first, you would have talked yourself out of this. <laughs> Wow. Like, like, there's no way you would, it's cause it's so crazy unconventional. And, you know, unfortunately, even in, in PhD, you know, like when you get your doctorate in something, you're supposed to do original research, but so much about the scientific method and about sort of the general approach and, and doing a literature review <laughs> to be able to back up what you're saying is really more focused on what you can't do as opposed to what you can do.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So, uh, we, we, in standard education, we do as much as we possibly can to stop creativity. And, uh, and that's unfortunate because creativity is what solves problems doing things the same way everybody else did solves enough. So, uh, yeah, yeah. it's, it's it's just kind of a funny thing, and I don't have a better idea as to how you know education should work. Uh, however, I, I don't think stifling creativity is is the right way to go. But but anyway, so I, I did this for my mother, and uh, it worked. And then it's now in uh, nine different countries, 175 locations. Yeah, and they're all that's independent. They're, they're clinics. They're franchise clinics that treat bone loss.
2: That's incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah.
0: But but in the process of doing that research, it was, became very apparent to me that weightlifting is a terrible stimulus when you're trying to grow muscle because you're, and I'm going to quote Peter Atiyah here because he he made a similar observation. He didn't take it to like what happens next, but he had said in the past, my problem with weightlifting is you overload joints and underload muscle.
2: Mm. He's a brilliant
0: guy. You don't know, listen to his podcast, The Drive. Yeah, um, oh, he's great. Yeah, brilliant guy. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, I heard that years ago, and I'm like, this, this guy's on the same path that I'm on, or at least his position, like he, he thinks way of living is you know, not, not that great either. So there's a better way. What I first looked at was my observational data, which showed a sevenfold greater ability to create force in stronger versus weaker range. So, for example, if I put my arms out, and I've got my arms out in front of me, back in the hand in line with the clavicle, 120 degree angle from upper to lower arm, I can either absorb or create the greatest amount of force of my upper body. If I lower the resistance down to like right against my chest, I have hardly any ability to contract against that. You know, that's you know, maybe half my body weight or my body weight or something like that. It's far diminished. It's one seventh what it is in the impact ready range. So I thought... If our capacity to create force is that great in its in its difference, then lifting a weight is terrible because we're doing exactly what Peter tia said. We're overloading the joint, getting chronic joint damage. Talk to any longtime weightlifter. Uh hurts them to get out of chairs. Most of them can't even reach their arm over their head uh, (laughs) because they just have such chronically damaged joints. And, and this is health. No, it's not health. It's stupid. So I, I just, I just thought, all right, if I, and then I, I also did a literature review on variable resistance. Well, there's some decent answers in variable resistance. The problem is nobody had got variance right at all. Like they'd have like at the bottom of the chest press, they'd have, you know, X amount of weight. And then at the top, they'd have 1.2 X. Whereas it's like, no, you probably, if you're going to do repetitions, you probably need X versus five X. So we needed a much greater ratio. And there's actually research that shows the greater the ratio, the greater the muscular development. So like there's, there was a path of research that totally supported what my idea was. And so I realized very quickly, like we've always had band training, but the problem is if you're going to do anything relevant to strengths, if you're going to, because there's no getting away from heavy, like in anybody who's listening, like what what I what I work with is a strategy to use the heaviest loads in a very safe way because I think a lot of women you know go oh, I don't want to lift heavy I don't want to hurt no like the chances of injury are almost zero but you need a better strategy to employ you know quote heavy and heavy is relative for the person so that you're really stimulating something the body can really change and so. That's that's what I set out to do, but I knew bands by themselves were worthless because you, you get a band that's strong enough, and you like throw it around your back to do a push up, you could break both wrists. Like our 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 band, when I when I do a chest press, I push five hundred fifty pounds when I'm at extension when I'm out here. Well, you know, five hundred fifty pounds wrapped around your wrist, if you're you got thrown around your back and you're doing a push up, outward rotation is happening to the wrist. You can break a wrist. And it takes seven pounds of lateral force to break an ankle. Well, when I deadlift with the X3, I'm pulling 615 pounds for maybe 20 or 30 repetitions. <laughs> it, it would crazy break both ankles. <laughs> yeah. Right. So there's bands do nothing, and there's no getting away from heavy. And so, considering these things, I thought, okay, I have to invent another device because you know, the, the what what the bone density device devices do is build bone density they're, they're not variable resistance in fact the movement for the bone density devices is like a millimeter like you don't move much at all right so so i re- we really needed something different
2: you're talking about with osteo we're basically just working isometrics but with the bands resistance we're getting all you know all parts of the exercise is that what you mean
0: yeah you need a full range like yeah. the idea that you don't need a full range that there's plenty of literature on that. There's some conflicting literature, but the overwhelming majority says full range is absolutely required, mostly for the sarcoplasmic growth purposes. So there's two different types of growth there's myofibril and sarcoplasmic. Myofibril is more like the density of tissue. Sarcoplasmic is more the contractile fuels that are retained within the cell.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And both like the, the majority of muscle mass and mass is also relative, so women shouldn't be afraid of that. Uh, you know, like a properly shaped female body is a, is a muscular one, but it's very feminine looking as well. Uh, and, and so these these muscles are, most of the effect you see is sarcoplasmic. Myofibril, the, the people with my, like almost exclusive myofibril growth are the gymnasts, because they have, like, they're not lifting through a range of motion, they're absorbing, incredible forces in very abrupt short periods of time. And so that creates myofibril growth for them. So the tissue density is incredible, but there's not much of volumization of that tissue.
2: Right. And their joints are still really taking a hit. So you've already yeah. solved quite a few problems. So we're working through a safer range of motion. they mm-hmm. are taking a lot of the guesswork out because a lot of, we'll just say women, because that's a majority of our podcast listenership walks into a gym. They're like, I don't know which weight to pick up. I don't know what to do with it. Right. You know, sometimes it doesn't. It hurts your hands, depending on what kind of weight it is, the shape of it. Yep. You've taken out all, all of these variables into a very, very safe range of motion.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I don't want to jump too quickly to the bar because I will talk plenty about it. But you've made essentially the variables slim to none. And almost anyone can get a great workout out of it. Right. That's amazing. So. Yeah. And I I know that you're not a cardio guy. Can you explain how strength training is actually just as healthful to our bones and our muscles and functional strength and maybe for health and longevity? Is that the only thing that we need?
0: Strength training is the only thing you need. Not not, not necessarily for bone density. Uh, I would not have developed osteostorosis if strength training were good enough for bone density. It's not. In fact, the minimum load that is required through the hip joint to trigger bone density growth is 4.2 multiples of body weight. So Mm. people don't lift that. Mm -mm. Like even the strongest people in the world generally do not lift that.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So it's very difficult to affect bone with weights, even with X3, which you train with even much higher weight. It's not, it's not high enough. So, so that's, you know, with OsteoStrong, I'm loading my lower extremities with 4,000 pounds. My upper extremities with about 2,000 pounds. uh, My core with six or 700, my spine with about 1,500 pounds. Uh, So tremendous forces that are designed to compress and distort the shape of bone. So when the bone bounces back into its normal position, it's pulling in minerals and recalcifying, rebuilding its own bone matrix. To be more complex. The more complex I means more of those little walls inside of the bone, which increases the density of the bone, makes the bone more powerful. Mm-hmm. I now have a bone density that's um, plus 2.3. So 2.3 standard deviations above normal. That's totally superhuman level.
2: Cool. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah that's like there's really not much on record outside of like if you're just looking at like a fracture, because a fracture can go very high, but that it's sort of not a really fair contest because the fractures have a different wall structure in the in the fracture that doesn't really reconcile with the rest of the bone so generally a healed fracture is like the strongest place in your body other than your skull yeah
2: so over what period of time can you accomplish that type of change in your bone density i probably not for you because you've been playing with it and researching it for so long, but if someone were new to this type of training, how quickly given, you know, the periodization and the programming that you've developed, how Mm -hmm. quickly could you potentially see a change?
0: Uh, You see, you see a significant difference in two years. And it also kind of begins to taper off. People grow the most bone in in the first two years. So what I tell people is unlike a workout program, if you're working on your bone density, you can build your bone density very high in that period of time, in that in that two-year period of time, and then you may need, never need to worry about it again. Once you build bone, it stays with you for about thirty years. Yeah, cool. it's not like muscle; muscle goes away. Yeah. Bone, not right. so much. It just it's as a, as a much longer metabolic. rate.
2: Hmm.
1: Now circling back to the cardio. So I know, say don't really do cardio, but that doesn't mean you're saying don't support your cardiovascular system.
0: No strength training, yeah, strength training does just as much for the heart as endurance training does. Here's where the so, but there's a myth. The myth is that strength athletes have poor cardiovascular health, and I'll tell you Mm -hmm. why. There's a guy I used to travel with to Russia, and we'd always change planes in Munich. I don't know if you've ever been to the Munich airport, but it's like the airport stairs. Like you got to run up and down the stairs like four times just to to switch flights because you got to go through like immigration, you know, like downstairs, you got to go back up. I
2: love that. I get some, some of my highest step counts it, when I'm traveling through airports.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got to go back downstairs, go to baggage paint, come back upstairs, check your bags again. Cause I've never flying with the same air group, but Russia just, I don't normally fly United and they're not that great in Russia. So, uh, yeah. And so run all over the place, up and down the stairs, up and down the stairs. And, uh, usually I'm wearing like a suit and tie because we go right into a meeting when we get there. Cause I, I, I typically try to fly out of London and I had an office in London for a couple of years. So, so you're flying and and then, you know, like this guy weighs like a hundred pounds less than me, but he's a little chubbier and, uh, he's, he's a cardio guy. And so, so we're running up and down these stairs and I'm like covered in sweat. And he's like, wow, well, your, your cardiovascular health is terrible. He's like, you should be more like me. You should, do, you should do more cardio. And I'm like, no, it's not terrible. My legs are four times bigger than yours are. So yeah, when they contract, a little bit <laughs> they're drawing more blood. My heart has to work harder to just do a few contractions. But that has nothing to do with my cardiovascular health. Like, Mm.
2: you know, this
0: guy has very little muscle mass in his legs. So, I mean, like a typical runner, he has quite a bit of fat because they're skinny fat. They don't, right. And what happens to to runners is they upregulate cortisol and cortisol does two things. It gets rid of muscle. So he's lost a lot of muscle Mm -hmm. and it preserves body fat. So you stay as fat as possible, as long as possible. That's what cardio does. It's exactly the opposite of what people think. People think they're, you know, they get on a treadmill, they they think they're losing weight. No, they're not. I mean, they, they might be losing scale weight, but they're losing muscle because of that chronically elevated cortisol. Now, there's no such thing as a bad hormone. Your body does not make bad hormones to, you know, hurt your feelings or make you fat or whatever. But like cortisol does a thing and it's an important thing, but you only really want it elevated for a very short period of time. Like every day you get out of bed your cortisol goes up and then goes down. It doesn't mean getting out of bed is bad for you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right? We do need that yeah. in the morning. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. We, Renee and I both experienced this firsthand. Mine was directly related to overdoing cortisol. I'm a da- dancer. I've been dancing my whole life and I taught mm-hmm. a dance cardio class and we, you know, you see like the short-term benefits. You're like, Oh, burning a lot of calories whittle down for like a month you feel good and then that very very quickly comes back and you realize the cortisol is high and we experienced what was then called adrenal fatigue like elevated cortisol okay. dropped to the basement no. had the cortisol belly and and soon enough like the output is not making any changes any longer because you realize no. it's actually damaging the entire system, mainly your nervous system yes. and hormones. So,
0: right, um, and then can, I mean, as women, you know, it can mess with menstruation. You know, you start yeah. having your periods, and then you can have uh, uh, stress fractures. You can start losing bone density, chronic That's cortisol secretion. You had that. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I
1: ended up with two stress fractures in my SI joint. Ow. Yeah, it was it was bad. Yeah. Yeah, Because I was, I was, well, at the time I was dancing a lot, which I mean was cardio, right? Dancing four or five hours a day and not eating enough. And my bones were probably just so weak. Yeah. But now she has the X3 bar. (laughs) Yeah. That was like 20 years ago. So good. (laughs) Yeah. But so yeah, so the cortisol, my understanding is if you're doing more like chronic cardio, that endurance. You almost need that ability to store more fat, right? To be able to fuel your body long-term.
0: Yeah. The idea is like your, your body's making a decision like you're an economy car. It wants to make your gas tank bigger and your engine smaller. Mm. So, but nobody wants to be the economy car. Nobody wants to be extra fat and extra weak. Cause that's what cardio does for you. Like you just, you just got to keep that in mind. Like now, if you want to be a great runner, just know you're going to be weak. And you're going to carry around extra body fat. Like if that's, if that's, but if you want to be a great runner, the terrible physique is part of the package. So.
1: Yeah. Well, we yeah. always say you to know. our listeners, like, if you want to run a marathon, you know, because it's for your favorite charity and you're raising money or it's fun for you, mm-hmm. like go for it, but don't do it because you think it's quote unquote healthy or going to, yeah, you know, make help. you live longer. Yeah. Definitely not no. going to help.
0: Longevity. No. If you want to support your charity, write a check. <laughs> And, and <laughs> Don't
2: ruin your body it. over it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. where I am. <laughs> I mean, so what do we do with sport specific training? So obviously we're talking about health and longevity here and just it's almost getting, you know, minimum effective dose to be healthy and have enough functional strength. But for athletes that have chosen their life's work or like I'm a dancer, I have to dance and mm-hmm. essentially do cardio for two and a half hours in one setting. <sighs> where do you see? Uh, the strength training fitting in there, and what can we do to kind of balance out, or is it just do your life's work, be done, recover as soon as possible?
0: Yeah, I, hey, you know, you're in the military. You're not going to tell your commanding officer like, "Hey, can we get some like hummers or jeeps down here?" Because I'm not going to do any cardio. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. My cortisol is a little military. elevated today. Can we just? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Put uh, our ideas. Ideas <laughs> are not popular in the military. You do what you're told. In most
2: professions, uh, you're really going to upset a lot of people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I would, yeah, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Now, fortunately, other than like special operations people, they have to run a lot. They do a lot of cardiovascular exercise, but they need to be able to go those distances, you know, without like a boat or a car or something like that, because they're usually sneaking into places. Then shooting people, then sneaking out. So you know that's that's the job. So you know you you're you're not going to preserve a lot of muscularity. And mean, that's it's funny uh, of the Navy SEALs I'm friends with. As soon as they get out, they like cut the cardio immediately and really focus on strength training. So and, and they have the discipline. So they typically, and, of course, they know me, so they get an X three. So yeah, uh, yeah. So they're all in great shape.
2: And so what about someone like a dancer, a performer like myself, who I'm not performing now, but um if you do need what we call that endurance to get through a show, do you think that something like the resistance training can prepare you for that? Or do we still need that? Sport it
0: can sport right. Sport the, the more power you have, the less your your heart rate is elevated uh in a consistent way. So so the easier a power movement is, the how do I want to say this? the less sustained the heart rate is going to be. Basically you want a lot of variation in your heart rate mm-hmm. and that keeps cortisol from spiking. So like high intensity interval training does not do this to cortisol. High intensity interval training is much more like strength. training. So like if, if done you want to explosive yeah. and then kind of catch your breath and be explosive and catch your breath, that's, that's the way I would do it. Like, like I played rugby in undergrad and I would like a sprint. I was very fast. I'd sprint you know during during a play and then we'd reposition I kind of walk back in position my coaches would be like you know how about show a little hustle on the field and I'm like I'm trying to get my heart rate down like yeah. if I walk instead of run back into position I'll be ready to sprint again or or maybe you don't give a shit you know like and you know of course they they know they're like oh yeah I want you to sprint again yeah. so right right so <laughs> it it's like and I was getting the benefit of variability of heart rate. So I, I never had the cortisol problem.
2: Yeah. Mm. Luckily, recovery is coming a little more trendy and popular. But still, you know, you go to a fitness, mm. a group fitness class. And if you are actually recovering between sets, yeah, you're yeah. going to get that judgment. It's really unfortunate. But hopefully we'll keep yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's
0: the fitness industry.
2: Uh, is backwards.
0: <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Like just stupid <laughs> advice. I mean, this cortisol research has been out for 40 years. It's not like this came out last week. Yeah. You know, and so for 40 years, they've been ignoring the obvious. But yeah, it, it's, it's one of those situations where the fitness industry, it's not led by scientists at all. It's led by business. And usually that business is selling gym memberships.
2: Yeah. And think-
0: so the selling of gym memberships is sort of like, it's kind of like they're just selling the dream of being in shape. And then once you sign up, they don't care if you ever come. I'm oh, sure yeah. you know. yeah.
2: they don't care. Uh, and yeah. they want you there more more more, pay more money, but no. person. no they actually yeah, don't they don't really. they only want you
0: there if you're buying personal training. Right. In fact, they'd prefer you not to show up because if everybody showed up on a membership, wouldn't be enough machines.
1: Collapse. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> I heard that Planet Fitness, I think they said like 85 percent of the members don't even
2: go. I mean, okay. they have a great business going on because it's so cheap. It's, yeah, it's $14 like, right. a month. Why? why nine ask? bucks a month. Oh man, they got you. Right.
0: It's <laughs> yeah. designed for people who care so little that they're probably never going to go. That, that's exactly. the design. Now, if somebody signs up there and decides to go, okay, why do they go. That's why there's a building that they mm-hmm. can go to. So like I also point out frequently, no, I mean, not everybody's a lazy ass. About 50% of men in America do strength training, either at home or at a gym, at least twice a week. The leanest one percentile of males in the United States is 10.6% body fat. So percent body fat is a really important metric because it considers muscularity and obviously how lean you are. Because the more muscular you are, the leaner you get. Right, you add muscle, you don't add body fat, and, you know, you're leaner. So um, it's a really great metric of how generally conditioned or deconditioned people are. Ten point six percent is like pathetic for a male. Like maybe you can see outline of top abdominals. Like the difference between nine nine percent or eight and a half percent versus ten point six percent is like night and day. Mm. Like, that's where you can actually see somebody get fit. So if the leanest 1% are still not in shape, why are we defending this industry? Like, Because I get attacked. I'm, I'm definitely the most hated guy in the fitness industry.
2: Congratulations.
0: Hey, you know. It's an
2: honor. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, they'll say weightlifting is not a waste of time. It's done great for me. And then you look at the person and they have like baby arms and a double chin. And I can't say that. I'm not going to insult somebody. Never mind the fact that they're insulting me, but it's okay. I own the business. I get it. And you know, I mean, I just look at them it and it's just like, do you really believe this bullshit you're telling people? You're you're in terrible shape. You probably're probably a diabetic. Do not defend what you've been doing. I promise you it's not working. Like I, I can, I can almost guess, like with, with extreme accuracy, what their hemoglobin A1C score is. No, they're, they're fat and sick. And, they're, and then they're like saying, oh, no, weightlifting is perfect. It does everything I need. Okay.
1: Yeah. Look in the mirror and then tell me again. Yeah. Right. So another question about hormones, what about testosterone and growth hormone, especially for women? I think women are like sure. afraid of that. They don't want to get bulky, but so why do we need those? And how does the resistance training help increase those? So
0: everybody has testosterone, both men and women. Men have estrogen too, but. You know, Sometimes so too much. it's it's like like I said, <laughs> there's no such thing as a bad hormone. Like your, your body is doesn't isn't secretly plotting to destroy. Women, the women, the whole like I get too bulky when you know when I lift, I hear women say that. Here's here's what's really happening: either they're looking at women who are taking performance-enhancing drugs via injection, and they're not realizing that they're looking at basically a phony body that's drug-induced. And so that's frightening women because a lot of women who don't look feminine it's because they're taking men's hormones they're taking a, you know a lot of testosterone or some derivative thereof. The and then there I know some other women that are like oh every time I lift I get big no every time you lift your appetite goes up and instead of eating more protein that's what you should do you eat cupcakes mm. so you're not really getting big you are getting fat and that's the reality mm. like. Thanks
2: CrossFit for that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Finish your wine. Let's
2: have some uh, donuts donuts and celebrate. It's insane. Let's just drive glucose, like toxic sugar into the cells.
0: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
2: What's up, biohackers? Renee here. You may
1: remember Lauren and I had Wade Lightheart from Bioptimizers on the podcast back in September, where he shared his top tips for fixing digestion, increasing nutrient absorption, and really supporting overall recovery and health. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, definitely go back and check it out. It is jam-packed with so much great information. Wade is such an awesome guy, and he's so passionate about health optimization. You'll definitely hear that throughout the episode. It's pretty incredible. But he's so passionate that he ended up starting a line of supplements because he really wanted to help people all around the world with one of the most common health issues that people experience. And that is gut issues. So things like bloating, gas, indigestion, acid reflux, heartburn, all of those, but also nutrient deficiencies. I mean, our food supply is unfortunately so nutrient depleted that a lot of us are walking around with these micronutrient deficiencies. So that's something else that he's really trying to help people with. Also, poor sleep quality, that's a huge issue. And then slow recovery. After a tough workout or a stressful day, we want to get you back in the gym as soon as possible. And a lot of their supplements help with that too, which is super, super cool. So Lauren and I have personally tried all of their supplements and we were blown away by the high quality ingredients and the results of the product. We always like to try anything before we share it with you all. And we were so in love with these products that we were like, we have to have weight on the podcast and tell everyone about Bioptimizers. So a couple of our favorites. So blood sugar breakthrough. This is our number one pick for regulating blood sugar levels. The combination of ingredients to control blood sugar in this product, you aren't going to find anywhere else, which is great. Also, mass zymes, great digestive enzymes. This is going to help you break down your food, optimize digestion, also increase nutrient absorption. So you're going to get more out of the current food you're eating. And then one more I'll throw out to you all magnesium breakthrough. It has seven different forms of magnesium in one bottle. This is like unheard of in the supplement industry, seven in one. So this is going to help support quality sleep, reduce stress, support our immune system, and so much more. Obviously, we can't rave enough about Bioptimizers for top-notch supplements. So, if you're curious to try some of these products, go ahead and head on over to Bioptimizers.com. I'll put that link into the show notes, and of course, do not forget to use discount code BiohackerBabes. That will get you ten percent off. All right, let's get back to the show.
0: Yeah. So, uh, and and also, like going low carbohydrate or zero carbohydrate is much tougher for women than it is for men. You know, like, but the reality is fructose only occurs in nature at the end of summer. Like fruit, you only get fruit at the end of the hot season, just about before it's going to be cold. Now, looking at animal models at times is great because, you know, animals, when they participate in the study, it's not like they were out drinking the night before and they're going to lie about it on the survey. Animals do what animals do and they're pretty consistent about that. So they're way better to study than humans in many regards because humans lie all the time on those surveys because they oh, want to yeah. give the answer that makes them feel better, not, not the truth. So bears give themselves type two diabetes at the end of every hot season. So they switch from eating deer and they go to eating honey and berries as much as they can. So. Switching to type 2 diabetes is like an extra gear in your body that helps you get as fat as possible very quickly. So why would you want that? Well, you'd want it if the winter's coming and you're not going to get a lot to eat. Like, let's say if you're a bear and you're just digging a hole and sleeping in it. So you can sit in that hole for a couple of months, which they do, and just live off of their body fat. They don't eat anything. Now, hunt. They're not asleep the whole time. They're just sitting there.
2: So, we should put Humans diabetics in, a <laughs> in the
0: hole.
2: We should put diabetics in the hole, just have them hibernate.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny because we don't need to survive brutal winters and we don't need an extra adipose layer of tissue. People, uh, there was always a question how did the Vikings row a boat from like the Nordic countries into Europe or into Canada? Those boats they had, they brought no food with them. Wow. What would they do? They would just get fat as hell. And then they'd get in the boat start rowing and they would just burn their fat. They were just massively ketogenic. And that was their fuel. There would be no eating at all.
1: That makes sense. I mean, humans in the winter, probably, yeah. When you couldn't get food, you had to burn your fat for fuel. And then in the summer you'd load up on what was available, but right now we have food 24 seven. So
0: back to the bears, bears give themselves type two diabetes as a method for survival. So I argue type 2 mm. diabetes is not a dysfunction of the human body. It's a function mm. of the human body. We just stimulate it all the time and it becomes toxic, you know, and, and we also yeah. don't need to fatten up for the winter time. So we don't even need that metabolic system at all.
2: Right. But, yeah.
0: you know, because and you know, quinkies and ice cream. We have to upregulate and screw up our insulin sensitivity all the time. So
2: yeah, Yeah. Yeah. even with, you know, quote unquote, healthful foods, there's still never a shortage of calories ever. That's kind of a problem. 24 seven, you can get anything you want.
0: Yeah. Especially in New York,
2: especially in New York, (laughs) New York and Vegas
1: 24 (laughs) seven, whatever you need. Um, so with carbs, is it, is it appropriate to save most of our carbs for post-workout or let's just talk about post-workout nutrition in general what are your thoughts? I know the anabolic window myth, the carb situation, what would you recommend? While the
0: anabolic window is a myth, it's not like there's some special time where you consume nutrients and you become super anabolic and your body efficiently uses that. So when I say there's no such thing as an anabolic window, that's what I mean by that. Because previously there were some people who were really pushing the idea that there's some secret, you know, half hour period where you can eat 10 cheeseburgers and it just all turns into muscle. It's right after a workout. Yeah, total bullshit. What you can do is basically the protein, no matter what you eat or when you eat it, you're, you do most of your growing at night. So in, while the body doesn't have an ability to store protein, it does stay in your system for quite a bit. So you can, and, and you do go into protein synthesis during the day to a degree as well. The, the protein, you want to get one gram per pound of body. And of quality protein. And there's different strategies to do that. I, I find that once people figure that out, and like I'm 240 pounds, so getting 240 grams of protein from like steak would require me to eat two and a half pounds of steak. I eat one meal a day because I want a fasted benefit. So have you ever sat down and eaten two and a half pounds of meat? Yeah.
2: Nah, yeah, that last, not that, even last close. Pound,
0: <laughs> that last pound, you don't like it.
2: I can imagine.
0: Yeah, it's work.
2: I'd love to come back to the bar because I'm just so fascinated that such a small piece of equipment has such profound effects. So can we come back to why the resistance over the bells? I know that you've talked about that uh, hypertrophy is not just potentiated by muscle damage. So when people get sore, they think that's how their muscles are growing. In fact,
0: damage is inversely related.
2: Yeah. So can you explain how how the resistance training is is getting that growth without the damage?
0: Yeah, it's fatigue. So people thought damage was really the the stimulus. And you'll hear some clown at a gym be like, you gotta break the muscle fibers so then they grow back stronger.
2: No, come on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like the the most positive thing I could say about that is that is oversimplification, and oversimplification is another word for wrong. Yeah. In fact, all damage causes protein synthesis to repair the damage. You don't get any growth at all. You end up being back to where you were. So it's only when you're just taking the muscle to fatigue without damage where you start growing more muscle.
2: That makes a lot of sense. And it also explains right. why so many people you know, don't have the right variables. Like they mm-hmm. either do too much volume not seeing any changes or maybe do too little so maybe you can explain the programming with the x3 bar you say one well set they, enough.
0: they're i think the real problem is that weightlifting sucks uh you know the fact that people do more than one set is like totally symbolic of how bad it sucks because like how many sets do you need to do in the sunlight to get a tan right i would
2: say it's personalized depends mm. on what you're absorbing
0: or you just need to go out in the sun one time, and before you burn, you come in, you put a hat on or some sunblock, and then you know you're stimulated. You only need okay. one stimulus to get the adaptation. Same with a callus, uh, same with any other adaptive response. So the fact the problem that we need,
2: the time. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, the fact that we think we need repeated exposure to a stimuli shows you that the stimuli is just garbage. It doesn't work. Hmm. So why pay attention to it? Like, like that, obviously something better is needed. Now when you do X3, if you do it right, there's no way you can do a second set because you are devastated. You're, you're so exhausted at the end of it. I can yeah. see where my own. Yeah. Yeah. I can. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, cause I mean, I think most of us have been brainwashed and thinking that we need all these sets. And so when my husband and I started doing X3, you know, I'm doing may- maybe 25 reps say, and I'm, right. I'm dead. And I'm like,
0: yeah, completely. And, you and do you're doing the diminishing range too. What was that? You're doing the diminishing range.
2: I don't know. What is so it? Like, you drop down. You, so you, you fail. T, you drop down, fail.
0: Yeah. Oh, as yeah. As you begin to go to fatigue, you, you like, like, let's say instead of going full range repetition, you can't get there anymore because the weight's so high at the top. So then you start doing half repetitions.
1: Oh, yes. Okay. I didn't know what that was called. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah you're doing that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We call that diminishing range. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and that works so well. Takes you to complete fatigue in all ranges of motion, something you can never do with a weight. Yeah, it just stimulates the body better and you recover much better.
2: I mean, so is it because of the time under tension just isn't great enough with a weight? Like, can we possibly achieve this with a weight? Just if we alter the variables?
0: There's no way you can achieve it with a weight because you have different capacity in every different position. But a weight is always the same weight. It's always, it always weighs the same amount, no matter where you are.
2: Right. So you're not going to load eccentric the way the same way you can do. Right.
0: Like, so, so I can't have a weight be 550 pounds at the top of my bench press and be 300 pounds in the middle of my (laughs) press.
2: Unless you have a really good friend, (laughs) two friends. Right.
0: Yeah. No, no, (laughs) (laughs) the only person that can spot you in reality is your central nervous system. Your friend doesn't know shit. You can't, you can't have a spotter. Do anything of value other than maybe just keeping the bar from dropping, which is really a spotter's job, but like actually mediating what your central nervous system can't make up the difference for, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
0: your buddy is not connected to your central nervous system. He or she does not know and never will. You're not going to outsmart that. Mm -hmm. But when you're training with variable resistance, you just go to your maximum output. The range shortens itself. Because of neural inhibition, your central nervous system keeps you from getting to that fully extended position at some point because you can't. Because that that amount of muscle has shut down, so you only have a, uh, you know, a like a portion of your muscle portion of your muscle fibers that are still working for you, and so then you train those in the diminishing range. Yeah,
2: the nervous system yeah. is really so it's cool complete
0: fatigue of a muscle. It's so fast, also the most attractive part about X3 now I learned very quickly. Like at first when I launched it, I targeted kind of the bodybuilding fitness community and everybody told me not to do this, uh, in- including really influential people in like biohacking, like, you know, maybe somebody I just did my second podcast with, maybe that guy, uh, you know, no more. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I, I, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to out the guy saying, saying something nasty, but he goes, I don't think you understand the fitness industry. Says fans of like standard fitness and bodybuilding are the dumbest people on earth. Like you will never succeed by targeting these people. And I was like, all right, well, let me give it a shot. And so I didn't listen. And within three days, I realized he was right about everything he said. These are the dumbest people. And so I pivoted, I pivoted to busy professionals and that's where we stayed because a busy professional is well, they're willing to read some, but first of all, they can read. So let's, let's look at, let's look at fitness a little further. Most fitness information is on Instagram and YouTube pictures and videos. Wonder why they can't read. That's why. So really unintelligent people like spectacularly unintelligent people
2: because why I'm a like visual I would read
0: an article and watch a video
2: right yeah
0: right because I can read they can't so yeah. it makes perfect sense like I always wonder right. when somebody sends me a video it's like what's well, time for this can I just read an article please because <laughs> I mean I, I'm a pretty quick reader I can read I don't know five six pages in like a couple minutes
1: yeah I prefer that over an hour-long yeah. video oh my well, god well
0: you're a normal intelligent person. <laughs>
2: Thank but we're, what
0: were the people we're talking about? Not so much.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: so right. And so, like, so once I pivoted to busy professionals, a lot of busy professionals, they want to have all aspects of their life working. you know they they want their their mind optimized, their spirituality optimized. Oh, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, you know, they want people always ask me to make some spiritual comment. I'm like, I'm a scientist. I can't do that. You know, they want everything working but a lot of them realize they're smart enough to realize, wow, you know, I went to the gym, you know, like uh, when I graduated from college, like every day for five years and nothing changed. So there's probably something better out there. I just don't know what it is. And they quit, they quit going. Then they read weightlifting is a waste of time, which is kind of the first step. You know, when, when I, when I contact with a customer, they read the book and they're like, Oh my God, like it's, It's a totally different approach, but wow, does it make much more sense than regular weightlifting. And that's kind of the the flow of like how I acquire customers. It's it's really like the busy professional.
2: Well, I also think that you are walking research. You are a testament that this certainly works. So (laughs) I'd love to come back to the bar again and talk about some of the programming. So you've basically... Broken the days up between push and pull. Everything can be a push and pull. We're getting our primal <laughs> right. patterns. Do you think that there? Well, one, I want to know the reasoning behind the programming, but also, do you think there is room for other things like mobility? I know you've said that resistance training does does increase mobility. Maybe you mm-hmm. can say from a personal perspective. Do you do anything else? If you want to share that,
0: I do nothing else. So I do exactly what I recommend other people do. Also. Oh, this is really important. So, there's 19 NFL players I work with. I have them do exactly what I do, but I tell them you need to do your football drills also. Yeah. Like, while this can create a lot of raw power in your musculature, I mean, it's not going to make you a better receiver per se until you go through all those movements. So, don't tell your conditioning coach. Oh yeah, I I, I don't need to do any drills. Like, yeah. <laughs> a- a- X3 will make you bigger, stronger. X3 will not make you a better football player that you got it. You got to do your drills. Yeah. Sports so same with the, so the, the entire Miami heat, in fact, they endorse the book and teams almost never do that. Uh, like I got, got a letter from Miami heat lawyers uh, saying you're, you're allowed to use this quote from our strength coach and like teams just never do that because they're, they value the brand very highly. Uh, and so, because I, I really helped that team out, like they're, they're one of the least injured teams in the NBA and they're good. Wow. So, uh, keeping injuries down has a lot to do with strength conditioning. Like you've got to get them conditioned so that they're less likely to injure. And one thing people don't realize about NBA players, when you're talking about somebody who's like six foot five and above the torque on joints is far greater than it is with a regular size person. Like they are every tendon, every ligament in their body has much more pressure on it. And so they've got to take care of it. They want to build the thickness in those tendons and ligaments Be very careful, very considerate about what what they do so that their training is really optimized and they get the most out of it.
2: Yeah,
0: and they can stay in the longer.
2: Yeah, great. And then mobility, how are we affecting mobility? obviously sport specific or depending on your goals, you would add that in, but how does well, generally like if you
0: go through the movements of X3, you're going to increase the mobility in those movements, but is that everything? No, no. If you're a dancer, for example, of course. <laughs> you've got to go through those type of movements and reinforce those neural patterns. Now you may be better protected from injury, Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be more powerful like your ability to propel yourself off the ground depending on what kind of dance it is will be increased your ability to land and control yourself will be based on drills that you have to go through to practice because just because you can get higher in the air it doesn't mean you're any more graceful landing mm-hmm. unless you practice that
2: mm-hmm.
0: so yeah I, i'm really careful like i do think from a strength explosiveness speed in uh, uh, and, and, and general conditioning, X3 does answer all the questions. But does it answer all questions in sports? No, of course. Not. Nothing. But what nothing. about
2: just overall longevity, like getting up off of the floor, being able to pick up your kids? Oh, yeah.
0: Different- yeah. That, see, there we're talking, now you're talking like the language more than like the busy professional cares about. Like a lot yeah. of women are like, I would just love to be able to pick up my kid again. Like I lost the ability, my kid gained a little bit of weight and it's just like, everything hurts when I go to pick them up. And, you know, then of course, like three months later, they're like, my kid got even bigger and now I can like pick them up and carry them anyway. And right. So like that, that's a quality of life thing. And Yeah. You don't, you don't need to do any other drills other than just doing X3 and then picking up your kid. That's
1: cool. amazing. Yeah. I will say a testament to the X3 bar. My husband and I bought it during the pandemic and all the gyms were closed. We you know, <laughs> so we smart. used to have all the dumbbells and the barbells. And then we moved, we sold everything. So in our new house, we're like, we don't want to buy all the equipment. I said, now's the time we got the X3 bar. All we did was that four days a week and walked, walking was like our cardio, whatever. And we not just like sound <laughs> egotistical, but we both looked really great. We looked great. My husband was more ripped than he's ever been in his life. Yeah. And everyone was like, what are you doing? Um, I can attest to that. You both did look phenomenal.
2: Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) More him than me. Oh, I'll I'll boast about him. No, you're, I, I I believe your upper body strength really changed from at least a a visual perspective. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Yes. So big
1: fan over here, Dr. Jaquish, thank you so much for all of your amazing knowledge and wisdom today. Before we let you run, we want to ask one final question. If you can give our audience a final piece of advice, something they can start doing right away to optimize their overall health.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, let me ask a couple of questions first because I don't want to give the same advice that other people give. Okay. No, I got something. (laughs) Get all the fructose out of your diet. Doesn't mean you need to get all the sucrose out of your diet. There's two places you get carbohydrates. One of them is almost guaranteed to be stored as fat. When that's fructose. So remember what I said about fructose in nature and how bears use it? Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is pretty much anything sweet that we eat's got a lot of fructose in it. And you store that. Even if you're at a caloric deficit, there's evidence that says it goes to be stored as fat before you your body can actually use it. So it's just got a different path in the body, and that path is uh contributing to type 2 diabetes to to obesity to chronic heart failure. It, it gives you a lot of what you don't want. So try and try and um, like when I do my pre workout, so I about 15 minutes pre workout, I'll do 40 grams of glucose tablets. So it's pure glucose. It is in the form that the body uses it. You can you can find this in any drugstore and it's cheap as hell. In fact, every drugstore has their own like private label. So there's, there's nothing new or special like glucose tablets. Uh, I mean, like literally any, is it's fine. They're all the same. But that is a place where you can get carbohydrates and it's not going to come and bite you in the ass later.
2: <laughs> yes. Great. Great, Great advice. advice. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank okay. you for spending your time with us today. I know you're going to a wedding. You look awesome. But for Thanks. our audience, we're going to send them to your website, drj.com. Definitely check out the book, The X3 Bar. We'll send everyone your way. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. Awesome. And thanks to everyone that tuned in today. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking.